0: You're listening to Out of Nowhere, a series featuring emergent brands with somewhat unexpected origins. Your host is Justin Watkins of Native Digital, a marketing firm specializing in brand messaging and performance media. Let's jump in. Yeah, it turns out that grit's like the most important characteristic of anything that kind of grows, right? Uh, nothing ever just happens. I was
1: talking to a soon to be founder uh, yesterday, and he's about to make a jump. And uh, uh, he he asked me for advice. I just said, just don't stop. I said, if yeah. you don't stop, nothing can stop you, you know? But I was like, there's going to be moments, a lot of them, yeah. where you're going to want to stop. I said, if you don't stop, nothing else will stop you, you know?
0: Man, yeah, that, that's awesome advice. I, I, I can think of, uh, I have this. I was at a friend's house years and years ago now um, and I, I met this guy and he had started a business and and I was like, well, and he had left a pretty good job at a bank, whatever bank he was working at. And I was like, oh, well, how did you know it was like the right time? And he's like, well, I didn't, I just started. And I'm like, oh, that's yeah, so awesome. Like it was just so, yeah, of course there's, it's like, like when's the right time to have kids? Well, there's no perfect time you just do it and you figure it all out it's so similar right um yeah you just go and keep going yeah
1: I think that's interesting I I set a deadline for myself and uh, yeah. later on I was told hey that was a really dumb idea. you shouldn't have set this like deadline you should do it when you're ready and I thought yeah for me it worked it was a it was a commitment device for me. Yeah, to know I'm going to do this because you can always procrastinate. So I I don't know if I agree with that advice. It was well-intentioned. I just don't know if I agree with it.
0: Yeah. You mean you set a deadline to start or if it didn't work, you back to something else?
1: I I did not have a plan B. I purposely did not create a plan B.
0: Yeah. I I tell people that that's advice I give too, is like, if you create a plan B, you'll, you'll use it. Right. I mean, of course, like (laughs) how human nature works. And I'm a, you got to burn the boats and just go and figure it out, right? Like failure can't be an option because you'll, you know, people will ask me, well, what, you know, where have you failed? I'm like, well, we fail all the time, but I don't think of it that way. I think that's just part of, uh, you know, part of the deal, right? Like it's just part of the journey and you just keep going. You just keep figuring it out until you figure it out. Right. Uh, So yeah, it's an interesting,
1: I think in a moment of weakness plan B sounds pretty good. And you, if you have a plan B, you'll take it in a moment of weakness and you're going to have those all the time. So I think you better just not have one and don't let yourself have one, you know, I I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. We've jumped into all the good advice. We've front loaded this (laughs) thing. Uh, John, uh, will you tell me a little bit about the origins of pay it? How, how you got started? Was it a problem that
0: irritated you or it was an opportunity you saw or was a little bit of both? Yeah, abs- absolutely both. You know, I, I, I'm a Kansas City guy. You know, uh, born born and raised Blue Springs High School, Baker University. Um, went to Baker to to play soccer. Somehow didn't make it professionally into into Europe to play soccer. Uh, which, if you'd seen me play at all, that that was not surprising. And uh, went to Cerner, so had built a career in software. Had had just an awesome experience and. I was the CEO of a, of a software company at the, at the time. And, and um, like everybody else just uh, found like made time in my schedule and went to the DMV and I was sitting there just waiting my turn and uh, was sort of working on my phone and uh, just thought, of course, this should be different. It should be smarter, more modern, more convenient, more connected. It turns out more secure woof. Um And uh, but You know, like the DMV was just sort of the poster child for what was broken or might still be broken about doing business with state and local governments, which is where we spend our time. And it was just like, man, like the triggers were broken. So it was like everything was like a piece of paper that came in the mail and then nobody reads their mail anymore. And and then it was, oh, yeah, I got to go do this thing. And then it would you'd go Google this, whatever it is link, 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 you'd find a form uh, online somewhere, you'd tell it everything it already knows about you. Then you'd put some credit card data in, you'd punch out to something else, you put card data in, and then you get some PDF that you were supposed to download and print. And we just thought, that's crazy. And then you'd go do it all again, the next time. And then think about that across every interaction you have across city, county and state government, we all have, right? And just a lot of friction. And we just thought, man, bias towards platforms in the cloud, you know, um, that are data driven, smart, connected, secure, extensible, scalable, all those things and and uh, boy, we could just build like end-to-end capability that could just say, hey, Justin, it's 30 days till this, is this still you? Yes, card on file done and then drop it into a wallet. And then you could just take all this friction out and then start to collide or connect all these different experiences across city, county and state. and it would just kind of know you, you'd have a profile, a wallet, And uh, and just take friction out and make getting the government you need really easy. And then we would just integrate it into this platform, into the back office of government. And so we thought, hey, we could be this great partner to government who, it turns out, really just has not great partners to choose from historically. It's a huge market. I mean, when you think about TAM, to, to the other part of the question, so we saw Opportunity like personal pain that everybody's probably experienced or maybe even still experiences. Like I have to go to the DMV because I still live in Missouri and they just won't do business with us. It's brutal. Um, it's painful. Um, anyway, that's probably a topic for another day uh, <laughs> and not coffee, but um, any, anywho, who uh, yeah. You know, there's almost $2 trillion that flows between, you know, constituents and just state and local government just in the US, so not federal, not international. And it's growing. And we thought, man, if we could build a more modern version of this and just become this really great partner to government to help them reimagine service delivery and help digitize it and do it in a cloud native way, because of course, that's how you should do it, right? Um, That we could really change the way people access their government and, and just make it simpler. And that, that's, that sense of mission and purpose is, is really compelling to me and to all of us and to Mike Plunkett, my co-founder and, and uh, anyway, so off we went and um, yeah. just,
1: I, I think your pain point is very relatable. And like you said, the DMV being a poster child for that. Like if you've been to the DMV, you've experienced a pain point. Like it's not, <laughs> if it, if it goes decently well, you're like shocked, you know? So that's kind of where yeah, the bar why, is.
0: Why would you have to go at all? Like, why should you have to go unless you need a photo barring right. photo? There's absolutely no reason yet. Anyway,
1: let me give you a use case. I haven't shared this with you before. Let me tell you my, my experience with this. I'm a Jackson County resident. Okay. It works with Jackson County, correct? Yeah. Uh-huh. So I've experienced the pre-pay it uh, way to exchange funds, and I've exchanged the pay it way. And be, you know, because I'm in Kansas City, I know of you guys, I was aware of that whenever I saw all the shift. Yeah. So I remember this really clunky experience, too many steps, you know, uh, sometimes entering stuff and it doesn't recognize I have to go back and check all this. And right. then I've and I've gone through the pay it experience and I remember thinking, wow, this is like current day you know, this isn't like 1994. And so for me, my my initial thought was, this is a great user experience for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's superior for me, but I had to think because I'm aware of, of pay it. I had to think, I wonder what the value prop is uh, to Jackson County, because I don't yeah. think Jackson County cares at all about my user experience that much. I mean, maybe a little bit, but it, yeah. so my guess, let me guess at it. Let me tell you, tell me where I'm, where I'm uh, off. I'm guessing that uh, with a better user experience, probably there's less complaints and less confusion. So probably yeah. the customer service part of it and then probably like back a house efficiencies or maybe some cost savings. That's
0: my guess. You tell me where I'm wrong. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think, you know, the the reason we, you know, partner with Jackson County is because they have leadership that actually does care, you know, and, yeah. and wanted better efficiency they care about their their residents and they want to deliver. They saw this as an opportunity to kind of lean in and and deliver better service the way we all want to consume it, which is digitally, right? And so the the benefits then become a partnership where, you know, we deliver the software and then like your user experience, you know, um, none of that by accident. Like we have people that are really good at this and, um, but it's not like we don't deploy and then like walk away, deploy, turn it on. And then that's the beginning of this journey where we're constantly using data and talking to humans. Um, It's it's like human centered design at scale through the software. And so um, we think about how do we serve everybody, not just someone, you know, as sophisticated as you as a user, but everybody regardless of their digital literacy, because we think, technology and, and that it, it's like the great inclusion device of our time. Right. And so we take it very seriously. Like our mission is to serve everybody. And that's, that's a big audacious goal. And so like the entire company is kind of orchestrated around systems and people that think that way and operate that way. So how do we constantly review process? And, and we have, we're very data driven, so we can look through workflow Something as simple as like that property tax payment, which can feel mundane. And, and it's like we can watch it at scale and go, oh, it's taking too long at this step. Let's go. Re- let's go review this. And then we'll make a tweak and figure it out. And then so benefits to a client, them or anybody else's, one, we help them collect more revenue, which is really powerful to serving their mission. Right. So we help them collect that revenue faster. Um, we help them collect more revenue, and then we help with efficiency, cost savings, um, security, and then help them be you know, AODA compliant, which is really powerful, right? And, and then what we want to do, too, is, is shift, like we think about accelerating channel shift from walk-in, call-in, or mail-in experiences with government, which are the slowest, most expensive, and least satisfying way to serve that customer in revenue, to these really rich, digital, long-term relationships, not even just a transaction. We're very much about these relationships you can build. And we also think then there's this benefit of creating trust, better trust, right? Um, So when you have a great experience, in fact, there's a lot of data on this that, that when a resident has a good experience, you know, digitally with their government, they're like nine times more likely to believe that that government is achieving their mission. And then there's some other really powerful things. Like when you look across all of our clients, Um, we reduce call volumes eight to one just by having better product. Like nobody wants to call. They only call, it's it's like a last resort. And so when they've called, you know, you've failed, right? And so, so we do that. And then we even take first call for a lot of our clients at no cost just because we're such a believer in the product. When you get that product right, plus like just our loops are better and we'll get more, you know we're data driven, so we'll you know use Zendesk to categorize everything we know. And to us, a call is like the first sign of a product issue. And so, how do we constantly work through that and help people? And anyway, so
1: help. Yeah, our that's clients. interesting. Yeah. Let's, let's touch on the accessibility uh, yeah. piece for a little bit because you you just yeah. mentioned something that finally clicked with me. So I'm recalling back to whenever I used um, used it to pay a you know pay yeah. something for Jackson County. Yeah. So it's probably been months, but what I recall. Um, what I recall was, it was very conversational. yeah. And when, and my thought was, oh, they're gearing this. My assumption was they're gearing this for a younger, uh, for a younger audience who uh, speaks like that. I, I don't think, I don't think that now, now I'm just hearing you speak. I, it sounds like it recalls, I recall going to the DMV here recently uh-huh. and there was somebody, uh, two people ahead of me who were in their seventies. And there was an iPad staring at them before they could talk to a person and they were so intimidated by it. That's right. And it was a, it was an interface that was not familiar to them. They'd never touched that device in their life. And they got very flustered and you could just tell like that pretty much ruined their day. Like it, that interacting with that iPad, that was supposed to be easier. And it was easier to a lot of other people in line, but not them. Right. And they just could not wait for, to have a conversation with somebody. So When you just mentioned accessibility on that front, I realized like, ooh, that probably goes to both younger and older where people just want to talk about this. They don't need to go study some interface.
0: Yeah. We we've really found out um like a couple of things. One, so in our sort of design schema, if you will, um, you have this dashboard and, and that's all about personalization and transparency. How do I surface information and just make it really visible so I know the status of things? Like, I think. You know, not too long ago, I had another Missouri DMV experience where, because I travel a lot, I couldn't remember if I'd renewed a registration and just lost the sticker or didn't come or if I just forgot to do it. I I just couldn't remember. Well, there's no way to look that up. You literally, I had to call and sit online for an hour, sit on hold for an hour just to know, I mean, like a total failure, right? And so in this case, we think about surface information. So it's just really obvious that there's a lot of value in just transparency, and it builds confidence as well. And then we found then as you click in and do things like the best way, think of it this way. If you were the head of you know, an agency and you could just sit down with each resident and go, okay, now, John, I need this. And then what about this? And show me this. And do you have this? And did you do this? It'd be an amazing experience for that resident. It'd be awful for you to try to scale that. But that's really what that UI can do and that, yeah. that chat experience can do is it sort of demystifies all of this. And it feels like we break it down. You probably noticed too, it's very plain language. It doesn't sound like a lawyer or a bureaucrat wrote it. It is, how do we ingest all that business logic, codes, regs, statutory requirements, and then just lay them out? Look, everybody can text. It's like the most universal way to go back and forth in very plain language and then ask an answer and kind of guide them. And then we start to learn that user so that it can be just data-driven and not have to fill it out, especially then as we add more use cases and kind of scale across or different jurisdictions, we already know you and we can do, hey, it looks like you're eligible for this, or we did this, or it's time to do that. And we filled most of it out for you, you know, without even telling you that you just, here it is. We just need you to yes, 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 done. And so you yeah. start, to, it starts to get really powerful
1: I think the plain language part is an easy piece to overlook the importance of. I know our team has experienced that with healthcare. We, you know, we'll yeah. check uh, language to make sure it's not above, you know, usually eighth grade. A lot of times um, people don't talk, people don't talk like a doctor and people don't talk like a, a lawyer or a financier you know, right. speak like they speak, like they talk so they understand it right. and they can move forward.
0: Right. And it, it's interesting as we've, you know, grown, um, you know, outside of the U.S., um, even revisiting all of that in in Ontario for the city of Toronto, right? And and so the team spent a lot of time in market at coffee shops, you know, systematically thinking about user experience and and getting all that feedback through tools and things like that, but then also just spending time with users directly. Um, and, and so, like, not everybody, certainly in our category, does that. Um, they kind of design differently, I guess. And so we, we found that's a huge advantage in, excuse me, the outcomes we can deliver for our clients, which is then resonates and yeah. helps us as well.
1: I think that's great. I, it's great to be data centric. It's also good to be human centric. And I think whenever you yeah. see things anecdotally, the data starts to make a little bit more sense. Um, you say, why, why is that number that way? Oh, now it clicks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You have to be both. I, and I think you have to be human centered before you're data centered. My own personal view. Right. I mean, at the yep. end of the day, these are all just a collection of humans trying to do things. And so when you're mission oriented, I think like the data can support, but anyway.
1: Yeah. So in the early days you had this idea, you had a pain point, you thought you had a solution to this, you start implementing this, and then you start talking to some, you know, early candidates of this, whether States or counties, yeah, Which were the ones who were the early adopters of that, where they said, Oh, I get it. Like this really hits on a pain point of ours. And they were the ones who were willing to make a change whenever, you know, I'm assuming inertia was probably one of the biggest obstacles at the beginning of this is like, that's oh, ah, fine. It's working.
0: Yeah. You know, in, in government um, you can always do nothing. Right. right? Like it's, it's, you, you can, right. These are all compulsory services. You'll figure it out because you have to, you have to figure out how you pay your parking ticket or, to go to the dmv or like you'll figure it out because you have to and so you know we um it it, it was hard to get started honestly it's hard to get started at any business <laughs> and in this category like a couple of quick stories one i spent some time at this conference uh when it was just me and i met eight governors and kind of just told the story and i had that little, built a little prototype just to kind of show like hey here was the big idea and i remember in 24 hours, I met eight governors, and all eight kind of grabbed uh, uh, their senior staffer and said, "Get John meetings with Commissioner So and So or Secretary Such and Such." And I thought, okay, this is a this is a real this could be a real business. And then it took almost two years to sign our first contract because um, they would all say, "Man, I love this, and I can really see how this would benefit. Come back when you have five clients." Well, when everybody says that, it's really hard, right? And and then, man, even early days, we were explaining the cloud to state CIOs who would say, there was one who said, I love this, I would do it, but it would have to live in our data center. And I'll be like, well, why? Well, security. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. That's why it can't live in your data center. You can't keep up with Amazon, right? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, so interesting. And then, but we did have, we started to find like, even in this big laggard market, there are early adopters and people who had maybe had some private sector experience and kind of knew what good looked like and had seen software as a service kind of take over every other category. <clears throat> and so, uh, but we had to convince people that it was better for them to partner with someone like us than to just try to build everything themselves. And we still fight that. I mean, it's it's rapidly crossing the chasm, but it's still the early innings of that, right? So yeah, a lot of, a lot of scar tissue figuring that out.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I assume that's probably the case with all gov tech is getting that early momentum, improving and sort of validating like, Hey, this is a proven thing um, yeah. is what you have to be able to do because they're not buying on promise. That's just not how they're organized.
0: Yeah. You need someone to take a chance and we did. And then, um, and then we proved it and then you keep proving it and keep proving it and keep proving it. And then I feel like as you scale up, I, I think, One of the things that's so exciting about where we are today is we're kind of at this kind of like the market is crossing the chasm, cloud first, you know, citizen centric. So kind of all the things that we've been advocating and felt really lonely in early days now, like the whole market is trying to get there. And, and, um, and then here we are, you know, sort of this, uh, it's like that nexus of being like this breakout innovator, but also a safe choice because you have these big clients and a lot of scale. And so you can be the safe choice and the innovative choice. And that's really, really powerful. Right. And so we're trying really hard to lean into that and, you know, further accelerate. And look, a lot of our goal is just, we want to be a great business, a great company, a great Kansas city company, kind of in that in the spirit of Ewing Kaufman or Neil, Neil Patterson, Cliff Illig and, and, and others. Right. And, and, um, and think doing it here matters a lot. Cause I'm sure you've faced this too. It's like, there were a lot of people um, who didn't think you could build a world-class tech company in Kansas city. There's probably still some people who think that. And, and, you know, we've always just thought we'll we'll prove them wrong. And, and, um, and be a big part of this ecosystem as a, you know, job creator and uh, somebody who just feels like they're a part of the town, right? And in, in the city, and create opportunities for people that maybe wouldn't otherwise exist. And I don't know. That's that's super rewarding for all of us, too. Yeah, I'm sure. I could
1: talk. I could talk all day on that topic. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure. The uh, the what you said, the nexus between innovator and safe, I think is really interesting. And I think there's a way you frame it where. They don't have to live apart. I think a lot of people say, yeah. think innovation and new is scary and risky Yeah. and, you know, stable and safe and big is, is, is safe. But I think more and more, we're seeing that if you're not innovative, that's the riskiest thing to be. So the people who are pushing the envelope, as long as they're not doing it, you're not, you don't have to be on the bleeding edge, but it's, yeah, it's right. a,
0: being on the leading edge is a pretty safe place, I would say. Yeah, we we talk all the time. Yeah, they just this art of the possible is different, right? When you're when you think and are kind of wired differently, like as an organization. And uh, but also I also think too, it's like we talk all the time about. Yes, we're ambitious and we're we're a, a you know a fast grower, but we we also never want to outgrow our ability to execute for our clients, because that's where it goes wrong, right? And so, we think a lot about you know, the things you do matter, but the things you choose not to do, like those choices matter as well. And, and really trying to get that right. Um, and you don't always get it right, but you have to fix it fast. Right. And so, um, you know, I think those are kind of always the conversations that we have and, you know, we'll have clients that are saying like, Oh, you did, you're so great at doing these things for us. Could you also do this thing? And it's like, then we have choices to make. Could that become a product? because we don't want to build one off things we we want to okay well tell us about more about why that matters to you and what it matter to the broader market and then it's like what they need and then our own view on how you do this um and then kind of figure out where do you you know then apply R&D dollars and all those things too it's 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 also yeah. it's really fun right
1: yeah, those are the tough decisions is where do you set your guardrails and where, do you, where are you open for opportunities and where you're like, no, nope, that's just not what we're going to do. I think yeah. the reason you have to do that is because if you're committed to always creating more and more value for your clients, um, you, know, you can turn down things that might make you bigger, but the value you create for them actually shrinks in some way. So I think it sounds like that's how you're oriented is how do we keep creating more value for them? And sometimes that's going to say no to the things that maybe they're requesting but that would wind down our focus. Of
0: course. Yeah. We, we say no to things or we'll say, Oh, that's really interesting. Tell us more about the problem. We think you ought to solve it this way instead of the the way you asked us to solve it. What if we could do that? It's like, Oh yeah, that would, that would be interesting. Um, But yeah. um, You know, I think. our, Our, our ambition is to be the best partner these clients have ever had. You know, and we, we think about. You know, like our net promoter score across which we're kind of helping to introduce into this market, they've like a lot of the clients haven't ever thought about an NPS score. And our NPS is, uh, just under 70 across all our clients. And, and that's, you have great people and great process and you work at it and it's look, things move. Right. So it's never just, you know, it's always the, you know, the feet of the duck paddling really hard underneath. And, uh, I don't know, but I I think that's a worthy ambition to have is to be the best partner they've ever had. And you build trust and that's how you earn the right to do the next thing with them, right?
1: Yeah. What are some of the misconceptions that you'll run into either with um, folks on the government side or just other people in the GovTech space? Are there misconceptions that you feel like you're continually running into?
0: Oh, probably all the time if I thought about it. Um, We're very lean and agile and and can deploy things quickly. And that's part of why you build tools in a low code platform. Right. And cause you take a lot of cost out and risk out and it's better for the market, you know, cause they can just go turn things on and they can be more nimble as a partner to their constituents and we can support them that way. But it is just totally different from, Hey, I've, I've written this spec for software. I want you to go build. And, you know, instead of like this lean and more agile approach of configuring and turning on testing and deploying, right? It's like, well, no, I'm going to go away and build for a year and I'll come back and show it to you. And it's just like, so you are kind of working through getting the gears to match up, but that's, that's all changing too. I think they, you know, it will, it will change. Like, that's the thing, you know, it will happen and it's happening. So that's, what's exciting too is, cause you know, even if it's not us, like the world would be, be a, be a better place because all that's the better way to do it. Right. Of course. You know, looking be.
1: forward to this conversation this morning, I was thinking about uh, the way you probably do implementation with new partners, and I was thinking, I bet their customer success team is really, really key in this because you're probably going to very different environments every
0: single time, right? Yeah, and it's and, it, and better all the time, right? I mean, it's um, um, yes, but I always think, you know, y- your brand isn't, you know, the the great work like Karen and our marketing team does. It's people's experience with your software and your people right? At the end of the day. And so, you know, of course we invest heavily in having great software and constantly trying to get that better all the time. Um, but man, we also work really hard to make sure we have really great people. Um, and and uh, because that just matters so much, right? To have trustworthy people that are mission oriented and care about our clients and the and the job they do. Um, man, that 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 makes a big difference in lots of ways, right? So yeah, that customer success is hugely important. And I, and I think, frankly, a big differentiator for us.
1: Yeah, I bet. So you talked a little bit about some of the things that you have to say no to. Uh, what are the things that you're saying yes to? Like, as you look forward, you know, over the next few years, what are some of the things, are the areas where you see yourselves growing? Pay it is in my newsfeed right now, because of an acquisition you guys made. Like what, What's on the horizon? What are you guys
0: staying busy and yeah. focused on right now? Well, growth, of course, right? So, delivering our our offerings to more and more clients across North America and and maybe beyond. Um, there, there's a lot to do there, and we're we're excited about that. So, we're investing heavily in that. Um, we will continue to invest heavily in in R and D. So, improvements to products. Um, you know, product market fit isn't a static thing. It's dynamic. You're always working at it. Um, and so we'll continue to press hard on that. And then we'll look for new categories, new uh, kind of adjacent categories in GovTech. We'll always just be a GovTech company. You know, that's a big problem and we care deeply about uh, about doing it. So we'll, we'll keep doing that. And, um, you know, we'll keep an eye out for other Acquisitions that we think kind of fit our high standard around product and people, uh, but but mostly it'll be organic, constantly investing in people and in products and things like that. But that's super exciting. There's a lot of work to do.
1: Yeah, this has probably been a wild ride for you. What's been the most rewarding part so far?
0: Oh, easy, just the the people, um, the relationships. I'm very much a like if 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 I was doing this in my home office, you would just see this wall of people behind me. Uh, you know, um, uh, like the relationships, the friendships with clients and employees and investors and, and, uh, people in media that have covered us because that's a huge part of this. Um, quite honestly, it's, it's like the people that have helped shine a light on the category, our business, it helps us find the next great employee or the next great investor or the next great client. Um. So easily the people and and um, and those connections, it's just a uh, super uh, rewarding and enjoyable. We've got three types of people that are listening to this
1: that could interact with Pay it. We've got the big bulk of them are residents who, yeah. whether they like it or not, may use pay it uh, someday. hopefully they do because it'll be a, a nicer experience right. if they right. do. You've got people governmental side who uh, potentially could. Uh, look at you as a partner, but then you have a lot of talent. I mean, as you grow, you're probably constantly uh, keeping an eye on talent. Where would you point people on the talent front uh, to check out paid if they were interested in learning more?
0: Oh man, hit our, hit our website, our careers page on the website. And, and uh, man, I'll, I'll also say uh, we really uh, work hard to get a really broad diverse set of employees in um in every sense of the word and and man we've got like we're big fans of uh, launch code and and other programs like that and and you know finding people that are uh, great problem solvers and and uh, share our ambition and and uh commitment to quality and 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 um and you know kind of moving the whole category forward and and building a great kansas city business although now we have offices in nashville and toronto and people in 30 states or something like that and so it's it's really been yeah it's fun and boy I, i would say like we think really hard about how do we build a great company and part of what i mean by that is where you can attract really talented people who want to invest their time and energy and grow and learn and contribute um and that's that's um it's a lot of fun it's it's really rewarding to watch that happen and and uh you know i'll often i'll talk to my dad from time to time and think man we we created a business that i i wouldn't even be qualified for some of these roles or a lot of these roles like (laughs) that's a, a bit surreal and amazing too and um i don't know it's fun to learn from the people that come into the company
1: Oh, man, you're right. It is the best part. And that is awesome. You've got some, some roles coming in. You're like, man, I couldn't hack it at that role. Uh, John, this has been great. I appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing the story. I think people will really be interested in it.
0: Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for having me and doing it. It's, it's awesome. And, uh, man, it just, you know, it's, it's never, it doesn't feel like work, you know, it feels like just, just a lot of fun. Not always. It means fun, you're
1: doing but... it right. Hey everyone, we've learned a lot from this podcast series and we've put the good stuff in a handful of PDF frameworks. It's topics like messaging, channel strategy, and market fit. You can grab them at nativedigital.com slash resources.